From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Once again, we count it a privilege to welcome you to another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today, we'll hear another message in the life and earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, a series preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is found in Psalm 89 and verse 19. I have exalted one chosen out of the people. Why was Christ chosen out of the people? Speak, my heart, for heart thoughts are best. Was it not that he might be able to be our brother in the blessed tie of kindred blood? Oh, what relationship there is between Christ and the believer! The believer can say, I have a brother in heaven. I may be poor, but I have a brother who is rich and is a king. And will he suffer me to want while he is on his throne? Oh, no. He loves me. He is my brother. Believer, wear this blessed thought like a necklace of diamonds around the neck of thy memory. Put it as a golden ring on the finger of recollection and use it as the king's own seal, stamping the petitions of thy faith with confidence of success. He is a brother born for adversity. Treat him as such. Christ was also chosen out of the people that he might know our wants and sympathize with us. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. In all our sorrows we have his sympathy, temptation, pain, Disappointment, weakness, weariness, poverty, he knows them all, for he has felt all. Remember this, Christian, and let it comfort thee. However difficult and painful thy road, it is marked by the footsteps of thy Savior. And even when thou dost reach the dark valley of the shadow of death, and the deep waters of the swelling of Jordan, thou wilt find his footprints there. In all places whithersoever we go, He has been our forerunner. Each burden we have to carry has once been laid on the shoulders of Emmanuel. His way was much rougher and darker than mine. Did Christ my Lord suffer, and shall I repine? Take courage. Royal feet have left a blood-red track upon the road and consecrated the thorny path forever. Thank you. 
If your Bible reading is usually in the authorized or King James Version, you have probably encountered words that are quite unfamiliar. Because the authorized version was translated in the 17th century, some of its words are no longer in use or perhaps have a different meaning now. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to offer a booklet containing many of those archaic terms and their meaning in modern-day speech. In addition, the booklet contains a Bible reading plan that will help you to read the whole Bible through in two years, as well as the Psalms and the New Testament twice. To obtain your copy of A Bible Word List free of charge, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of A Bible Word List, and we'll be happy to provide it.
Today on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns brings the next portion of a message called Christ the Heart Specialist. Throughout Christ's earthly ministry, he was constantly dogged by the Pharisees who sought to discredit his works and preaching. These men were the religious legalists of the day, punctilious in their observance of their man-made rituals, but hypocritical in their personal lives. Sadly, this attitude is prevalent in some circles to this day. There are those who profess Christianity, but still want to retain worldly lifestyles. They mockingly refer to believers who maintain biblical standards as legalists. As with the Pharisees, Christ knows their hearts and condemns them as hypocrites. Now Dr. Cairns brings the next portion of this message, Christ the Heart Specialist. As soon as the disciples were used to attack Christ by these, uh, these Pharisees, the Lord Jesus rounded on the Pharisees, and they started exposing them for what they were, hypocrites. What? The disciples came and said, Lord, do you not know that the Pharisees were offended at this saying? I'd love to have been there just to see this. I love to see a pompous, let me quote again, theological hitman suddenly punctured with one well-aimed arrow of divine truth. I can see these characters. They come along at first. They have a, a supercilious sneer upon their face as they attack the Lord Jesus. I can see their jaw drop open so far and so fast that it nearly dislocated their kneecaps. They're aghast. For Christ had touched a raw nerve. You say you are the people of God. You profess to be his own people. And in support of that, you point to the fact that you put a little egg cup of water over your hands before you eat, and you have a heart as black as hell. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. That's what Jesus is saying. You come to tell me you're God's people because you do this and you do that and you do that and you do the other thing. I want to strip away all the veneer of the little things you say you do and I want to get under your skin and I want to look at your heart. When I look at your heart, what do I see? I see a heart that's far from God. Get what he's saying. You engage in the external rites of God's worship. He could have gone further. You read his word every day. You learn its words off by heart. You have many prayers that you recite. These are the things you do in themselves. 
to read the Bible, to say prayers, are not they good things in themselves? Yes, unobjectionable, indeed virtuous. If, and this is the all-important thing, if they are the expression of a heart that's given to God. But when they are in place of a heart given to the Savior, they will damn you deeper than Tyre and Sidon or Sodom and Gomorrah. This is his message to the Pharisees. But you know, the Pharisees were not alone in their legalism and hypocrisy. Now, I've been using that word legalism a lot. I'm going to back up a little here because I, I can't let this go. It really doesn't belong in this message, but that never stops me saying it anyway. What does belong is that you understand what I'm talking about. Legalism is a word that's bandied about by a lot of ignorant people. Usually it's bandied about by a lot of compromisers who want to drag their lives down to have no standards and they want to cover it up with theological jargon. Let me give you an example. Fundamentalists are called legalists by many highfalutin Calvinists. Now, there may be some legalistic fundamentalists. I'm not here to defend them. I've known legalistic Calvinists as well. I'm not here to defend them either. I've known legalistic Arminians. I'm not going to defend them. But the usual drift of this is, you have standards. You don't believe in drinking and smoking. You don't believe in running to the movies. You don't believe in going to the theater. You're a bunch of legalists. You're the first people who ever did this sort of thing. Uh, I don't want to get into any theological or history or whatever, but uh, far from it. I was just reading <laughs> the how, how far we have drifted. I was just reading uh, part of a sermon by C.H. Spurgeon in which he was blasting the downgrade of what? of a minister, an evangelical minister, who thought it would be a good way to get a crowd into a big hall in London on the Sabbath day by having a Christian music concert, and then he would speak at the end. Spurgeon denounced it as a desecration of the Sabbath and as bringing the theater into the church and it would not be the way of carrying forward the gospel. And even the minister who tried it came to realize the same thing. How far we have come. So, without passing judgment on Spurgeon's opinion, let me just say that having standards didn't originate with fundamentalists or with free Presbyterians. But the idea is, if you have standards, you're a legalist. Because you're living according to a standard. You're a legalist. Let me tell
tell you, my friend, that is such a perversion of the Bible, such a perversion of the New Testament. Legalism in the New Testament is never ascribed to anyone adopting the highest possible standards of personal holiness, personal separation from the world, and personal morality. And guarding that morality as strictly as he can in order to please God and live with a pure testimony for the honor of Christ. That's never called legalism in the New Testament. Legalism is always a way of justification by works. It's always a way of adding my works to Christ so that God will accept me because of what I'm doing. It is always a way, listen, of looking after the outside while hardening the heart against a living faith and a vital godliness. And I want to tell you, wherever you have Christian standards of living that go along with vital faith and a true godliness, you do not have legalism, nor can you. The Lord Jesus is despising and denouncing the legalism that leads to the hypocrisy of hardening the heart against God. Lord, look at what I'm doing, but underneath I'm living a foul and filthy life afar from God. That's legalism and that's hypocrisy. Now I want you to take this to you today because this is typical of the religion of the flesh. It's not of God. This is not his planting. I want you to know this. Jesus states it very clearly in verse 13. Anything, no matter how religious, anything that does not conduct you to a vital godliness and a true faith in close fellowship with God is not planted in your heart by the hand of God. It's not God's planting. And it leads to awful consequences, for it's more than a ditch that you'll fall into. That's the condemnation of Christ against legalistic hypocrisy. Now let me bring it all together. He knows the hearts of his people, and he does not condemn them. He knows the hearts of those who profess to be God's people and are not, and he does condemn them because they are far from God, satisfied only to have the appearance that will please men. But finally, verses 19 and 20 show me that he knows the hearts of all men and he exposes to each of us what we really are. Notice again, out of the heart, proceed, and he gives these seven things. These are the things which defy the man. Here's the truth of total depravity in the human soul. The heart is the true nature of a man. It's not speaking of the pump that gets the blood around your body. That's it's used as a metaphor to describe the inner man, the true nature, the mind of man, the will of man, the affections of man, the source of all his moral decisions, actions, and desires. That's the heart. 
And he says, it's corrupt. It's corrupt. This is not just meant to be negative. I said we wanted to visit the office of the great heart specialist. Now, if you go down to a cardiologist and your heart is in bad shape and he looks at you and claps you in the back and says, on your way, man, your fingernails are growing beautifully. I like the curl in your hair. You're all right. What would you think? That's a good man. That's a great heart specialist. That's the doctor I want to deal with. Not at all. You go down there and he says, I don't care what the color or curl of your hair or how you manicure your nails. There's something radically wrong with your heart. And I can deal with it. He's giving you good news. Jesus is the specialist and he says here is what's wrong what's wrong with a man is not how much water he puts in his hands before he eats what's wrong with a man is not some little external thing that can be looked after in such a a frivolous manner what is wrong with a man is deep and inward and it belongs to the inherent nature of the man that's what's wrong in him there is a very cesspool of iniquity there is a source of all corruption. Beyond action, there is a source of corruption. That's what's wrong with a man. That's what's wrong with you and me by nature. The heart, Jeremiah tells us, is deceitful above all things, and it's desperately wicked. And he asked the question, who can know it? Well, Christ knows it. The trouble with you and me is, very often we don't want to know it. But today, this is what he does. He comes, strips away the veneer. What does he see? What do you see when he does it? Out of that heart still going, evil thoughts. You notice where he starts? Before he gets to the murders and adulteries and fornications and thefts, evil thoughts, then these vile moral defects, then lying and blaspheming God. That's the heart. That's corrupt. That's sin. I wonder, do you have to stand back before God and say today, that's me? Yes, it's me. This is where my heart is. This heart causes defilement. And as a defilement, as Isaiah says, it's your iniquities that have separated between you and your God. A defilement that drives you into uncleanness and away from God. But clearly what the Savior is saying here is that this defiling, corrupted heart cannot be cured by any ritual or religious act. 
you say, well, that's my heart. What am I going to do? I'm going to think better thoughts. That will not save you. I'm going to stop all this foulness and filthiness. I'm going to try to live a cleaner, better life. Well, go ahead. I would encourage you to do that. But that will not change the heart. Suppressing the outflow of the heart's corruption doesn't change the heart. That's the best thing that religion can do. It puts a lid on. Sometimes it puts the weight of a whole lot of religious observance on top of the lid, and it holds down the outward expression of inward corruption, but it doesn't change the inward corruption. And if today you are still unsaved, unconverted, unclean, unregenerate, as corrupt as ever you were, and you've never had a heart changed to long for Christ and long for God and desire His grace, then no amount of religion and ritual in the world can change your heart. It's futile. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. <laughs> 